The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Such a central part of our life as human beings. Uh, we all experience them to varying degrees. And over the course of these weeks, I've been sort of going through a little process for how to be mindful of them, how to learn to be aware of them uh, without being overwhelmed or flooded uh, or yanked around by our emotions. The more, the more awareness we have in our lives, the more choice we have. And this, this goes for emotions as it does for anything else. So um, the first evening I told a little story about the Buddha that I, I want to come back to. And I'll, I'll just share an abbreviated version, which is that he was talking with some of his disciples and basically said, you know, make sure that you don't forget uh, of all of the different stories that um, people might tell about me and all the amazing things that I've been able to do. Uh, that One of the most amazing things that I'm able to do is that I can observe and be aware of my thoughts, my feelings, and my perceptions as they arise as they're present, and as they subside. So he's pointing to this capacity to simply be aware of what's happening in our heart, in our mind, on a moment-to-moment basis. And that it's through that awareness that freedom and liberation come. That our ability to just know what's happening without getting caught up in it, without reacting to it, without being defined by it, is the place to start to look and to strengthen our awareness, to strengthen our, uh, our wakefulness. So how do we do this with emotions? Uh, so a little review. So the kind of formula that I'm presenting is that the first step is just to be aware of them, just to start to learn to notice what we're feeling, to be able to name it, to give it a name. When we name an emotion, automatically we start to have some kind of a relationship with it. We're no longer one and the same with the emotion. We have some perspective on it. We also start to recognize how uh, intense an emotion is. Emotions, how there's a whole spectrum So if you're angry, you could be mildly irritated, you could be annoyed, you could be frustrated, um, you could be angry, you could be furious, you could be enraged. There's the whole range, and that goes for any emotional flavor. There are these ranges, so just being aware of, you know, not just what I'm feeling, but how intense is it? Where is it on on that spectrum, on that scale? Once we start to become aware of our emotions more, as we become aware of them, the next thing we want to look at is how are we relating to them? Are we balanced? Are we balanced in relation to the emotion? So are we afraid of it? Are we judging ourselves for it? Are we angry about it? Are we pushing away from it? Uh, Are we wallowing in it? Are we sinking in it? you know, oh, this is so terrible, why has this happened to me, or I'm always 
Or are we able to just be in that place of balanced awareness, like the Buddha was pointing to, simply knowing the experience as it comes and as it goes? Ideally, what we're aiming for is a relationship of balance, where we're in the middle, we're not suppressing or avoiding an emotion, but we're not feeding it either or expressing it reactively. We're not being pushed around by it. We're just in the middle. And it's in that middle place that we start to be able to really be mindful of the emotion, to really, uh, like I th- it might have been you who was, were you sitting over there last week? Yeah, like you were saying last week, to just feel the emotion, to just know it directly. So these, these three uh, steps that I'm talking about, I, I use the mnemonic uh, ABC to remember them. A is for awareness, being aware of our emotions. B is for balance, our relationship. Are we balanced in relation to the emotion? The C, which is what we'll talk about tonight, is are we curious The C is for curiosity and care, which are these two very particular qualities that we can bring to an emotional experience. So curiosity and care is about actually investigating the emotion, actually being with it, feeling it fully on its own terms. In order to to investigate an emotion, to bring a spirit of curiosity and a spirit of kindness, of care to it, the other two steps need to be in place first. We we, we need to know that the emotion's happening, right? We actually have to be aware of it to some degree, and we have to be balanced. If we're not balanced in relation to it, it's very difficult to be curious about it because we're just going to be reacting to it. So if there's something that we're anxious about, some project that you have due coming up, and, okay, well, I'm feeling really anxious, and then you jump right to being curious, but, but you haven't checked, how am I relating to it? Usually when there's anxiety or some uncomfortable emotional experience present, our tendency is to resist it, to try to get away from it in some way that reactivity actually strengthens the emotion. It actually feeds it. So if we don't attend to that first, and then we try to get curious about the emotion, well, let's just see, where do I, can I just feel this emotion? Can I just be with it? And we try to be with it, there's, there, and there's still this underlying reactivity in the mind, trying to get away from it, worrying about it, it's, it's simply going to um, either continue or amp up, usually. Because we're, um, we're feeding the, uh, the fuel that's driving the emotion. So it's very important to always have a sense of, how am I relating to this? How am I with this? And if there is some reactivity, that that's what we get curious about. That's the layer we attend to. We, we, we deal first with whatever's on the surface. 
So if there's a lot of fear or worry or resistance to that anxiety, then we deal with the reaction to the anxiety because that's what's actually happening rather than with the anxiety itself. So being curious about our emotions... means we're starting to become more intimate with them. To become intimate with something, you have to, uh, have to accept it. You have to welcome it. So particularly with unpleasant emotions, uncomfortable emotions, we don't want to open up to them. We'd rather they go away because they're unpleasant. So it's counterintuitive to find this uh, space of balance, and then to say, well, what would it be like to just be with this? Could I, could I just get interested in this? Can I welcome this? That very shift from one of make it go away, I don't want it, why is this happening, it should be otherwise, I'm such a failure, or whatever is going on in your mind, the shift from that to, well, maybe, it, maybe this is okay. Maybe this isn't such a problem. Could I be okay with this? Can I welcome this? That in and of itself is huge. There's great freedom in that shift. Instead of running from our emotions, being afraid by them, or being pushed around by them, being driven by them, to actually just... Like, like this, this statue, one of the, the things that's so powerful about it is just that posture, that sense of sta- stability and openness, right? The, the shoulders aren't like this. It's not like this. It's just here. Just this willingness to be open, to feel, to face, to meet whatever is here. To say, okay, right? Okay. Again, with with everything I'm saying, that sense of okay is resting on awareness and balance. It's resting on that foundation of being able to know what's happening clearly and to have some measure of balance. If we're not balanced, that's what we have to attend to. And we use some of the tools that I talked about last week to find balance before you can actually then say, okay, emotion, Let's get to know each other. You know, let's spend some time together. Let's spend some time with this anxiety and see what it's all about. It was this sort of mythical, um, you know, mythical stories of um, a beast or a demon or a dragon that the hero or heroine has to uh, conquer. And one of the powers that the protagonist can have over this beast or demon is knowing its name, right? So when we, when, we, when we see something clearly, when we know it just as it is, we have, we have some freedom in relation to it. So part of this ability to... Uh, be balanced in relation to an emotion and then start to actually welcome it 
to get intimate with it, to feel it and know it directly, is about understanding emotion's nature. It's about understanding that they're completely natural. They're, they're natural human experiences. They're not a problem. They don't need to be a problem. That um, they come and go, that they change just like the weather. So it rained last week, and then the last few days it's been beautiful. It's been sunny and warm, right? It just changes. Our emotions are like that. So when we understand this, when we remember this, there's nothing bad about or good about any particular emotion. There's nothing right or wrong about an emotion. They're just different experiences that come and go. This is the perspective of wisdom. Just seeing these as natural human experiences that come and go. And they don't need to go away. They don't need to be controlled. The action that's needed is to find balance and, to, and just, to, just to know and see directly. And it's in, in that knowing and seeing that understanding arises. It's like being a naturalist. You know, the naturalist wants to understand that pine cone and she just watches, she just looks, she observes very, very closely, you know. And through studying it closely and intimately, we start to understand different parts, different things about it. So that's what we, um, what we want to do in relation to our emotions, is to have this eye of a naturalist that can just observe, can just see and get very curious about something. To be very curious about something requires a certain amount of stillness, a certain amount of quiet, and a certain kind of care, right? We don't pay attention to things we don't care about. We overlook them, yeah? To really get curious about something, we have to care about it. We actually have to value it in some way to bring some, some, some of our heart into that moment, into that relationship. So what I'm talking about here, this sense of curiosity, of, of interest, it's not about thinking. It's not about analyzing it. So to come back to this uh, analogy of a, a, na- a naturalist, um, the naturalist uses the senses to learn to pay attention you know observing a creature in the wild just studying it carefully watching watching waiting watching observing seeing its movements observing its patterns it's not about thinking about it. Well, I wonder where that creature came from. I wonder what it's related to. Why is it blue and not red? That doesn't go anywhere. It's through just observing it very closely that the understanding arises. So how do we do this? How do we do this with our emotions? So one of the first and most important steps is to understand the difference between the story of the emotion 
and the experience of the emotion. So let's do a little experiment together to illustrate the difference between a story and an experience. So... I invite you each to think a certain thought. So go ahead and think the thought. I move my hand through space. Okay? Did you do that? Just to make sure, do it again. And do it very, very slowly and carefully, very deliberately. Think that thought. I move my hand through space. Notice what that's like, okay? Okay, done? Thought happens very quickly. All right. Now, very slowly and carefully, take one hand, slowly lift it, and move it slowly through space and really feel what that feels like. Feel the weight of the arm, there's any temperature in the air, how you can move it, the different dimensions, front, back, side to side, all the different planes, okay? Now, are those two the same? No. They're related, right? There's a relationship between them but they're completely different, right? So the first is a story. I move my hand through space. The second is an experience. What's actually happening. So we we wanna be able to understand the difference, that difference in relation to our emotions. For example, let's go back to anxiety. Oh my God, I'm not gonna be able to do this. I'm never gonna get it done. I don't have enough time. It's too hard. I can't do it. That's a story, right? What's the experience underneath that? Is it trembling? Is it tight? Is it pressure? Is it, uh, is it heat? Is it hard and aching in the throat? That's the experience, okay? Emotions, so this is, this is the first step, is just being able to, to distinguish between the thoughts that are present, which are part of the emotion. They're related, just like I move my hand through space and this are related. You know, they have a connection, but they're, but they're distinct. They're not the same. So understanding the difference between the story we're telling ourselves, the thoughts that are running through our head, the images, and the experience in the body, the experience in the heart. In order to get curious about the emotion, to really bring a sense of care and interest, we want to be entering the experience of it. To set aside the story and attend to the energy, the experience that we're actually feeling. Because that's, that's what's actually alive. And oftentimes, that's what wants to be known and felt. 
The word emotion in English comes from the Latin e, which is out, and motion, right? So to move out. So emotions are like waves. They have a wave-like nature. They, they arise, they subsist, and then they subside. It's not the thought. It's, I mean, thoughts happen very quickly. Oftentimes with an emotion, the thought just keeps going. It just keeps cycling. Or it just keeps branching and creating more. The, but the, the emotion, the energy, the feelings, the sensations have this swell and subside. So that's what we want to be able to bring our awareness to is to that experience of it, to actually feeling it and sensing it in a balanced way, in a balanced and aware way. And that creates the conditions for the emotion to do its thing, to just be felt and to be known. And for whatever needs to happen there to occur, whether it's tears or laughter or some insight, or shaking, or an actual physical action. We realize I need to do something, I need to say something, right? For, for the, the purpose of that emotion to be fulfilled. Even if that purpose is just for it to be felt and known, and then complete. So the first step is, to, is in being curious about emotions is just to distinguish between the thought and the experience. What's the story and how does it feel? We start to get more curious about the actual experience. We see that it's made up of different things. It's not just this kind of monolithic blob, an emotion. We see it's, uh, well, there's the story. We see that which are thoughts and images. And we see, well, there's sensations in my body. There are various sensations. We see sometimes that there's a meaning. It's called a perception in Buddhist psychology. It's more, it's more succinct than the whole story. It's kind of the essence of the story, like betrayed or not good enough or something bad will happen. Kind of this perception, this, uh, this meaning that the mind latches onto. So there's a story, there's sensations, there's a perception. There's what's called the feeling tone, which is the sense of something being agreeable or disagreeable. It's its, it's taste. Some emotions taste good, some emotions taste bad. It's that sense that it has a kind of pleasant or unpleasant flavor to it. There's that aspect to it. And then there's often some kind of um, reactivity or activity in the emotion. So with fear, it's this like get away. With anger, it's that kind of attack. With sadness, it's this kind of sinking activity we start to notice it has a bodily signature, right? It's not just sensations, but actually the body takes on a certain shape. If you're frustrated, the eyebrows start to 
clench up. If you're happy, the, the uh, lips turn up and the eyes crease. Right? This is why it can be very helpful sometimes when you meditate just to let there be a very, very subtle smile on the lips. It's not forced, but just the physiology of a smile actually brightens the mood. So if you look at most Buddha rupas, you look at the statue, there's a very kind of subtle, quiet smile on the face. This kind of subtle enjoyment of knowing truth, of knowing the truth of your own experience from moment to moment, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. So as we get curious about an emotion and actually start to pay attention to its nature, what is it? We see it's made up of all of these different things, coming and going and changing, and it all gets kind of like glommed together as, how do you feel? Oh, I feel crappy. And then it's just, just that big thing, right? Or like, I'm stressed out. And then we live in the story of stressed out. rather than actually being able to slow down and feel, what does it feel like to be stressed out? As we start to feel it, all kinds of things happen. We have more compassion for ourselves. We feel more confident because we start to be able to actually handle the emotion. We begin to understand what's needed in a situation. And we suffer less. Because when we don't take the time to really feel it, then what happens? We just keep reacting to it, and the story keeps going, and the emotion keeps running, right? So you might be stuck in traffic, and you're really anxious, and the longer you kind of are stuck in traffic, the more anxious you get because you're trying to get somewhere, and it could go on like that for an hour. Whereas if you were to stop and just go, okay, This is anxiety, feeling anxious. Nothing I can do about the traffic. Let's just feel this emotion. Just feel the anxiety. Just breathe with it. It's uncomfortable, but you feel it. It gets more uncomfortable, but you stay with it and feel it. And then eventually, maybe it starts to subside. Or even if it doesn't, at least you're not being driven by it. So we suffer less when we can just bring this kind of curiosity to an emotion. Okay. So maybe enough words. And um, why don't we do some meditation together? And what we'll do is, first we'll, we'll sit for a little bit together, just uh, paying attention to our breathing, our body. Um, and then I'll ask you to, to notice if there are any emotions present. And if, there, if there's an emotion that's present, you can work with that. If there isn't, then you might want to think of a, a situation that has some emotion connected to it, to actually consciously bring up some emotion. Now, very important point here, uh, for the sake of this practice, don't choose something that's super difficult. 
Don't choose something that's really, really hard for you. Uh, Not because you can't practice with that, but because right now I'm trying to offer you a few tools. And so in order to be able to focus on learning the tools, you want to make sure that you don't get flooded. Right? If it's a really intense emotion, you're just going to be kind of in there trying to like deal with it, and it's going to be much harder to absorb the tools. So the analogy I always use for this is if you're trying to swim, if you're trying to learn to swim, you don't go in the ocean on a stormy day out in the waves. You, know, you go in a pool in the shallow end, right? <laughs> well, if you want to learn how to swim, you don't, you don't try to learn how to swim in the deep end of a pool with no support. You go somewhere where the conditions are supportive to learning the tool. So in the same way, you know, choose an emotion to work with that's going to give you the ability to actually like get a handle on these tools. And I'll, I'll just sort of suggest that you pay attention in a few different ways. And you can try it, try it out and see what works for you. Okay. So just sitting comfortably. And just starting by really feeling your connection with the earth. So if you're sitting in a chair, it's generally helpful to have both feet on the floor, which just helps to ground the body. And just connecting with gravity. So feeling the sense of weight. feeling the contact with the chair. Feeling your feet or legs on the floor. And seeing if you can allow the solidity of your body, of its weight, to have its own gravitational effect on your mind. So just as the body sinks down and connects with the earth, letting your awareness sink down and connect with your body. Rooting the mind in the body. as your awareness begins to synchronize with the experience of sitting, which simply means that you're aware from moment to moment
of the felt experience of the body sitting. So has the mind and body come together in this way? You might notice that the body's breathing. simply allowing your attention to begin to connect with the sensations of breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in. Feel the experience of breathing in. Breathing out. Feel the experience of breathing out. Don't be bothered by your thoughts, by sounds. All that's completely natural. Just see if you can simply allow thoughts to come and go in the background, just like the sounds out on the street. giving more attention to the feeling of the body sitting and breathing.
Every time you notice that your mind has wandered off in some thought or story, the fact that you've noticed that means that the meditation practice is working. The fact that you notice means that mindfulness is strengthening. So in that moment of remembering, you can simply smile. Appreciate that awareness has returned. Allow yourself to begin again just feeling the breathing. And so I'll invite you now to open your awareness to see if there are any emotions that are present. How are you feeling? Maybe you feel at ease. Maybe you feel confused. Joyful, frustrated. Just whatever's present. And if there's no particular emotion that you're noticing, feeling free to invite an emotion into your experience by remembering or imagining some situation 
that has an emotional quality to it for you. The first step here being just being aware. So just naming the emotion. Noticing how intense it is on that spectrum. Being aware of the emotion by naming it. Bringing some level of acceptance to acknowledge, okay, this is what's happening. Just like you acknowledge the weather, it's cloudy or sunny, it's cold or warm. Then checking briefly your relationship How am I relating to this emotion right now? Is there balance? What's going on? Sometimes as soon as you become aware of an emotion, it fades, it seems to dissolve. That's fine. If you like, you can keep going back to the stimulus, the thought or the memory, bring the emotion up again, just for the sake of practicing with it. Other emotions stay around longer all by themselves. So we name the emotion. And then see if you can put down the story, the person, the place, the time, the thing. Just see where do you feel that emotion in your body? Is it in your chest, your throat, your back, your stomach? Where is it located? And then how does it feel there? What sensations are present? Is it tight? or loose, contracted or open, aching or hard or soft or smooth, hot or sharp, bubbly, fluttery, What sensations, if any, are present there? See if you can feel this emotion just as it is. 
Can you allow yourself to touch it with your awareness just for a moment? And then just breathing with it. As we begin to get curious, to actually touch and investigate an emotion, it's often helpful with unpleasant emotions to bring in that sense of care. To imagine that a good friend were sitting with you or to imagine that you were holding the emotion very tenderly in your arms, enveloping it in a spirit of care. So seeing if you can surround the emotion with some flavor of warmth, spacious warmth, it's okay to be with this feeling. There's that sense, it's okay. Whatever it is, I can handle this, it's okay. Just breathing. What would it be like to just feel this? To let sadness be sad, to let fear be afraid, to let anger be angry. See if you can notice, is it pleasant or unpleasant? Can you discern that aspect of the emotion, its feeling tone? Is it agreeable or disagreeable? Once again, just breathing, steadying yourself. As you feel and sense its tone, its flavor.
coming back to the experience, the felt experience in the body, seeing if you can make space for that, reflecting, oh, this is completely natural. This is the human experience of frustration. Frustration feels like this. That's all. Seeing what it's like to just feel and know the emotion directly with a sense of interest and care. What happens to the emotion as you pay attention to it? Does it increase in intensity? Does it stay the same? Does it decrease? Maybe it changes into something else. Seeing if you can simply be curious about this experience, studying and observing it on its own terms. And we'll end with a short reflection. Just asking yourself a question, one or two questions that I'll share in a moment, not with the intention of thinking about them, but just to listen. So you might ask yourself, What do I need here? Or what really matters to me about this? And then just listen inwardly to see what comes. What do I need? Or what really matters to me?
about this. And whatever comes, just acknowledging that. So if you need to stand up or stretch your legs, uh, please feel free. Summarize what we did there. So after naming the emotion, becoming aware of it, naming it, checking our relationship with it, how am I with this? Um, the, the sort of three main steps, easy way to remember it, are these words emotion, location, sensation. Right? So what am I feeling? What's the emotion? Where is it located? Where do I feel it? Emotion, location, sensation. What's it, what's it feel like there? What's going on? You know, what do I feel there? And then from there we started exploring it. 
Right? That's kind of the first layer of this curiosity is just entering the experience of it. What, where is it and what's going on? And then it's about, okay, how can I be with this? Can I just touch this? Can I just feel this for a little bit? Can there be some space around it? Can I bring some tenderness to it? Right? Finding whatever works for you to bring in that sense of warmth, whether it's imagining a friend, if you have a connection with loving-kindness practice, metta practice, um, sometimes just imagining just a big hug, whether it's your arms or someone else's arms, enveloping the emotion, enveloping that sensation in loving awareness so that it's not alone and you're not alone with it. There's that sense of being with, that it's held by your awareness and by a spirit of care. Using the breath, so the sense of can I just breathe with this, right? And then starting to actually really observe it and kind of take it apart. Like, what's it made of? You know? Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? You can even start to get into the sensations more. Like, what's its shape? How deep does it go? Does it change in different areas? What, start, what happens to it as I pay attention to it? Right? Sometimes an emotion, it'll, it'll fade out and it'll fade in and out. It'll come and go or it changes. You start with frustration and then it becomes f- fear and then there's some sadness that kind of morphs from one thing to another. And then that last part is one of the uh, great secrets of emotions, which is that we feel things for a reason. They're not, they're not irrational, as Western philosophy would have us believe. Emotions are there as a reflection of something that matters to us. Our emotions are about our needs. So when our needs are met, guess what? We feel pleasant emotions. When our needs aren't met, guess what? We feel unpleasant emotions. We're wired that way. They're signals. Emotions point to something that matters to us. So in this way, we can sometimes just inquire, not through analysis. It's not about, I mean, that can be useful sometimes, but just asking that question, what's this about for me? What do I need? What matters to me? Right? And sometimes understanding that, we see like, oh, I really need some reassurance or I really need some company or I could really use some empathy or I could use some more respect. Whatever it is, then the emotion can kind of sometimes complete or settle because its message, its meaning has been received, what it's trying to tell us. And it's not always the case, right? Sometimes it's just energy in the body and we just just have to feel it. But other times you ask that question and something can be revealed. You understand something about it. Okay, so I've probably talked enough at you. Um, (laughs) Let's let's open it up and just hear if there are questions or comments or experiences.
And if you just hold your hand up, our friend Anne will bring a microphone over to you so that others can hear you and that the recording can pick up your voice. Hello. Um, so I've kind of worked on this process before, and so in so it's nice here to um, yeah get to this part where you actually can give the space and time and um, yeah. care and so forth. In in real life, my issue after working on the first you know part, like one or two or A B whatever the, of the process, mm-hmm. if you will call it a process or mm-hmm. whatnot, um, is more. So I you know work on that. Okay, that's good. It's more of um, whenever or often when there's some emotions. Um, whenever either if I'm in, with somebody or some people, whatever, if they notice and they point to it, then it's kind of like their intellectualization or their noticing whatever. And let's say they tell me or they, you know, whatever, they, they signal somehow to me that something's going on. Usually it just stops. The experience just like stops. Mm-hmm. And if, if it's me, you know, if, if I... If I do the same, also it's like okay, I'm, I feel, I name it, blah, blah, blah. and if I start to actually like think about it more, intellectualize more or less, or like okay, what's this about? Usually, also it stops it, it, the part of of giving it time and space, which is I think often what I I need, and, and at this point, um, it just stops. And sometimes it's kind of like life. I mean, because you know you just go about, it and sometimes you can't miss the attend. You're like oh, between whatever, or you're going, or you know, I'm listening to something on the radio when I'm driving, dropping off my son, and going to work, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of hard to stop in traffic and go, yeah, I'll just give myself space, space and time. You know, or, or you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But so there's a part that's the intellectualization seem to just stop the whole thing, and it's. And it's just weird because then I'm like, mm-hmm. when do I? I mean, I like, do I go back and mm-hmm. do what we're doing now? Or you know, it's a little bit, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And just sometimes, just kind of life that okay. you know, you gotta have to go yeah. about. Yeah. So it sounds like the question. So you're just you're noticing um, that as you're engaged in moving through your day, when you don't have the ki- this kind of time and space that sometimes an emotional experience will arise and then it seems to get truncated, like it gets cut off. Right. And how do you deal with that? Or how do these tools apply in that situation? Right. Also, I think some of it is like in probably an accumulation from years ago, possibly, so it kind of get all, you yes. know, all get mingled together. But, yes. but you know, it, concretely, yes, that's exactly as you say. Great, great, good question. So, um, so different things. So... Um, so one is it's good to to not make a problem out of anything if we don't need to so you know if you're feeling frustrated and someone says hey are you kind of frustrated and all of a sudden it vanishes vanishes great no problem it's just like you know like I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it I wouldn't make a problem out of it um so that's the first thing. Um, you seem to indicate some pattern around this from the past. And so that's some place that you could get curious, is just um, either in the moment or outside of the moment, kind of inquiring, like, 
what's this about for me? Like, were you shamed for your emotions at some point growing up? And so whenever someone points it out, that conditioning comes up, the nervous system feels like it's not safe, it gets... Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, so there's, there's psychological work that can be done there to, you know, to actually explore that conditioning and to receive a different message. So, for example, if you're with someone who cares for you, where it's not necessary to hide the emotion, and they say, hey, are you a little bit whatever the emotion is, right? They say that to you, and it goes underground, that in that moment, you can let them know, like, I was feeling that way, but I think I must be afraid to actually let myself feel it because it just disappeared. You know, would you tell me that it's okay for me to feel that way? You know, so you invite the other person, if they care about you and are open to that, to actually give, give you a new message, like, it's okay for you to feel angry or sad or scared or frustrated or annoyed or, you know, whatever it is. And to let yourself try to really take that in, to look them in the eyes, to see that they mean it, to really breathe and slow down and receive that message. So there's kind of a, another experience you want to give your yourself in that way. Um, the third thing, which is, maybe not directly related to your question, but I think um, I just want to share, because I think it will apply to, to most of us, is, yeah, there's that reality where we're going through our day, some emotion comes up. We don't have the time and space to be like, okay, everyone, I'm going to go through the ABCs now, so you all just hang out. And I'm naming the emotion, and I'm not quite balanced, so I need a little more time. You know, it's just, No, it doesn't work that way. But, um, one, a lot can happen in the space of one breath. We always have time for one breath. Even when we're driving, you get to a traffic light or a stop sign, breathe in, breathe out. Just one breath of acknowledging an emotion, just being like, wow, this is how I feel. And breathing with it has an effect. And if you do that consistently throughout a day, throughout your week, it has a cumulative effect. It has the effect of sending a, a message to the psyche that this is okay. Like, it's okay for me to feel this. I'm, I'm actually willing to experience this. I'm actually interested and available for this emotion. Like, I'm not trying to get away from it. Just in just a moment. And the more moments there are like that, it, it changes something in our physiology, in our conditioning. The other side of that is meditating every day for however much time you've got, even if it's just five or ten minutes, has an effect on those one moments. Because when you, when you do have the time and you take the time to go through a process, to be with something, to investigate it, to feel it, to slow down, to breathe, to be with it, you know, you do that a hundred times, you do that a thousand times, you do that 10,000 times, the next time you feel an emotion, boom, you can do it like that. 
because you've done it so many times in a very slow, careful, deliberate way. Now, in the flow of your day, you get triggered by something, you can take one or two breaths and the whole process kind of just unfolds. So that's why, that's why meditation is a training. It's a training for living. We break it down, we go slowly, like if you're a tennis player, I've never been good at tennis, but um, you know, if you're a tennis player, you, you practice your shot, you practice your backhand, you have someone show you, you, you go very slowly, you break it down, so that when you're in the game, you can do it really quickly, on demand. Same thing with meditation. Yeah, you pass the mic behind you. Thank you, this has been very helpful. Um, I just wanted to ask if you could talk about... Sorry. Um, could you comment on the relationship between emotion and trauma and how one works with trauma on a day-to-day level when it kind of how it engages emotions there? What was the last part? How, an in- how it engages emotions? Or I, I'm not quite uh-huh. sure how to articulate yeah. the question. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, so trauma is its own kind of human phenomenon um, it's important to get uh, the right kind of support if you can find it um, with trauma the nervous system is caught in uh, a loop it's caught in a certain pattern. And so before you can get to this place of kind of really investigating and feeling and being with it, most of the effort and energy is with the balancing, right? Because the very, one of the very definitions of trauma is that we, we get stuck in something and can't get out. So the, the practice is actually learning to get out. It's like a skillful, of, a skillful distraction. So were you here last week? Yeah. So, you know, use the tools we looked at last week of orienting, of noticing sounds, noticing touch, of, of bringing the attention outward from that experience that's so magnetic and kind of like pulling you in. And just keep doing that. And, and, and the spirit of it is like, this is okay. It's okay that this is happening and it's okay that I'm leaving and I'll come back to it when, when the time is right. So it's not like, hey, get me out of here, right? Although that's what we want to do, right? Um, that's, just, that's just the opposite of, of falling into the hole. So it's more this sense of... Um, you know, like you're having a fight with someone, you say like, look, I think we should probably stop for a little while and talk about this later. It's the, I'll talk about it later, that's important. Yeah? Yeah. So I was working with the emotion of nervousness or anxiety. Mm. And so when I got to the care part, mm-hmm. I sent it, light and love and it dissipated and I was like oh this is awesome but then I was wondering did I just try to fix it and push it away like how do you know 
Mm-hmm. It was hard for me to tell, and it wasn't like a hot. I, you know, I picked something that wasn't radioactive. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And oh, that's so that's great. It was radioactive. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm any gonna comments use that. you have? Um, yeah. Uh, what a wonderful experience. You know, um, don't make a problem out of it. <laughs> uh, the fact that you're asking the question is a really good sign for your meditation practice. Do you know what I mean by that? Right? If you were like, all right, no anxiety, I'm going to do that one again, then you've got a problem. Right? Because then you've, um, you've reinforced the idea that there's a problem with nervousness and it should go away. And if I do this, it will. And that's setting yourself up for a fall, right? Yeah, when there's an unpleasant emotion and it it dissolves or resolves, hallelujah, that's great, wonderful, right? But we don't want to expect that that's going to happen because that's not freedom. That's just getting what we want which is more the same kind of cycle of things being out of our control and trying to make them bend to our will. Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Freedom lies in just being able to be like, oh, this is what's happening. Okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I like it, I don't like it. Okay, right? That we stay balanced because the awareness is strong enough that it's not thrown around. So... um, the next time you're exploring nervousness, um, stay, just stay with it longer. You know? It sounds like what happened is that the care got strong enough that it, it kind of just filled you and replaced it, which is fine. That's great. The, that sense of bringing the care in is, um, is, is necessary and helpful as a balancing factor. So sometimes we don't actually need to do that if it's not super strong, right? So I I don't know if I use this um, analogy here, but um, sometimes meditation is, it's like, um, it's it's like throwing throwing a pot on a wheel. I don't know if you ever had uh, like pottery and homac or, or, you know, or if you've seen like on TV, you know, you, it's an art and it takes just the right amount of pressure and movements to create the right shape, you know, and, and you have to do it. And sometimes you squeeze a little too hard and the whole thing goes and flops over, (laughs) right? You know, or you don't apply enough pressure. And so, that sense of getting a feel for it is what we're looking for. So as you bring in that sense of care, you want to get, if, if what you're trying to do is really to understand and be curious about nervousness, you want to bring that sense of care in very lightly at first, just enough to hold it in awareness. And then your eyes like, okay, yeah, that's enough. And, this, and then the nervousness is still here, but it has some company. That make sense? I guess we're going through the, uh, yeah, the line here. Yeah, going along the line. Uh, my question is basically, uh, you know, through the practice of meditation, uh, I'm increasingly more able to um, watch my thoughts or emotions and et cetera, and that's it's very good. It's very good medicine, definitely. 
Um, one of the things I'm noticing is that it also loosens my criteria for evaluating certain things, my mm-hmm. judgments, mm-hmm. whether something's good or bad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whether something is frightening or not, mm-hmm. all of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, well, then it becomes difficult to label things black or white. Mm-hmm. Do, do you follow me? Mm-hmm. And so you gain many, many different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, well, then, I mean, how do you... It, it almost seems like life requires a realignment or something. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have to say about that? It's kind of... And also, the fact that you can actually watch your thoughts and emotions, etc., mm-hmm. tells you that you're not them. And mm-hmm. it's actually banal to state that because yeah. in Buddhism, you always hear you're not your body, you're not your thoughts or emotions. Right. It's different to experience but it, But when you experience it, it's kind of freaky, and you're like, so, you know, what yeah. is going on here? You know, like... Stay uh, with that freakiness. Well, it's good. It feels good. Yeah. That's, that's why yes. I stay with it. It feels good. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. Mostly feels good. It feels really warm. Great. Yeah. <laughs> stay with that sense of the, the uncertainty of not having a place to rest. That sense of like, well, I don't know if there are all these different perspectives. Which having one? very strong opinions helps you to make very quick decisions mm-hmm. when you no longer have very strong positions or judgments then you cannot do that mm-hmm. yeah right yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah so uh, i mean is is what you're saying that you're losing your sense of being able to orient and that's disconcerting or is what you're saying that um, there's just that sense of openness and not knowing and kind of being in not having a clearly defined view or opinion and that that's not a problem. There's no problem. It's not, nothing is disconcerting but it seems like um you decided to come here tonight. I did. Yeah, I bet you ate today. Sure. You got dressed. Definitely. Yeah, so you don't have any problem making decisions. No. Um, yeah, don't think too much about true. it. True. Just let it happen. Well, I would judge somebody, for instance, let's say, you know, oh, they've done a bad job, or I would okay. judge myself. Okay. I stopped doing that, which is also good. Okay. But then increasingly, you no longer label anything, yeah. you know, good or bad, or you don't rate anything. But you still don't, but but you do. You you do it when it's when it's necessary. You don't do it when it's unnecessary. So you don't walk out into the street when a car's coming because you know that's not safe. You're labeling it. You're judging. This is not good for me. Okay. Right. Sure. Someone you see someone uh, yelling at a child. You feel something. If you can intervene in some way, you do. Right. So you're making judgments. You're taking action. The difference is that you're doing it from a place of wisdom that's attuned to the moment rather than from a place of analysis and thought and opinion, Interesting. which is based on the past and on views and preferences. Okay, I guess what I'm feeling that I'm not able to define wisdom, what you're saying, or that awareness. I, I don't have a definition for it or mm-hmm. story for it, really. Mm-hmm. And whereas for everything else, I do. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. 
And I don't want to give you an answer. Just stay with the experience and allow it to continue to unfold. Just, just stay with the process that's happening with the sense of this feels good and this feels warm, with the sense of this is a little bit unfamiliar and I'm not quite sure where it's going. Yeah. Just stay with that and just trust the awareness. Okay. Okay, so, so my question is um, about the statement that you made about stay in that freaky place. Mm-hmm. So... That was what I said to him. Uh, it might not apply to you. No, no, no I know. I okay. know. So, so, so exactly. So, um, so my question is probably a multi-question, but I don't, I don't know how it's going to come out. Um, I guess the question is about h- how do you develop that when you feel like at the time you don't have the capacity? Is it just sitting through it? Because sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like... Um, I mean, I can give two examples. It's like one today was... I was sitting and I wasn't thinking of anything in particular, but I have a lot of body tensions and just like just it hurts. And if I pay attention to it, it's it's actually it gets worse. It's be, it gets yeah. worse and it's beyond my capacity. Yeah. Like it's so yeah. like I don't want to be there. And yeah. so in the middle of it, I actually started thinking about my guru instead, which was great because he makes me feel so much better. But yeah. and I'm not going to judge myself. Like I chose the path that I wanted to because I do feel better. But at the other time, I do remember in my old meditation practices, I would come to these, um, to these places that I, I really wanted to be in, in terms of like thinking less and um, having more spaciousness and things like that. But I'd always get to these places where I was freaked out, like seriously freaked out. Um, I'd have very deep practices. And of course, like the practices I were doing were, you know, they were very specific. Like I did self-inquiry for a while and other things. And I felt like, I was going to get lost, like someone would find me, and I don't know, I felt like I, w- I didn't need to breathe, I felt like I was losing my heartbeat, like, I, I, I couldn't handle it, I don't know what so, to do. So, there's a lot in what you're saying, and um, each of those experiences has different um, kinds of qualities to it, uh, and a different context. So there's going to be um, a different response that's helpful in terms of your practice. Um, In terms of the theme of your question, which is when it's too much, what does one do and how do you develop capacity? In general, the rule of thumb is um, there are two, there's sort of two sides of the same coin. One is don't go in if you can't come out. And two is start at the edges. So you ever ever get a cut or a scrape? Okay. Um, When you're a kid maybe, or you get a big scab, where does the scab start to heal from first? Does it heal in the middle? Does the middle? No, right? I, I don't know. I just had a biopsy. It seemed to do from the middle, but maybe it does it from the sides. I haven't skinned my knee in a long time. <laughs> okay. Well, when you skin your knee on the outside, it starts at the edges. If you've got a big, a big, a big scab, 
the center of the scab doesn't heal over with skin first. It's the edges, and then it moves in from there. So when you have an experience in the heart, in the mind, that seems overwhelming. Number one is don't go in, because if it's overwhelming, it means you can't get out. So that's like, like we were talking before, the move is to actually try to rebalance. And it's that sense of moving away in order to come back. The way to build capacity is to work at the edges where it's manageable. And so with an experience that's really overwhelming, it might be this sense of, um, let's, let's say that the bell is the experience. Um, might be that sense of first, it's just like, so this is like, oh my God, this is too much. It's like, okay, come over here for a little bit. And now this feels okay. Uh, no, no. <laughs> and you look again, no. And you come over and you say, uh, yeah, okay, that's enough. And then you come over here again. And then, uh, hmm, okay, now I come over here again. So you see, so you just, you just work at the edge of it and you just touch it and then you move away. And then you touch it and then you move away. Yeah, rather than just like, okay, I'm going to like deal with this thing. Generally, it usually doesn't work so well, and it's not a way to build capacity. That's the way to uh, flood your system uh, and reinforce the same uh, kind of reactivity and patterns that, that have been running and to try to force something through. So, What do you do when you're moving away? Like, when do you go back? Like, in, like do you go back within the same practice? Or you mean, like, slow down your practice? It depends. Just, like, it really depends on the situation. So what I would suggest is listen to the audio from last week where this was the focus, was balance. Um, and then the other kinds of questions you have really need to be explored um, one at a time based on the situation because there's no, this is what you do beyond what I've, that I know beyond what I've, what I've shared. Great. Okay. So let's just take a moment before we shift gears here. Just appreciating yourself for showing up and practicing and trying to learn and understand more about your heart and your mind. May all of the good intentions and effort that we've brought forward tonight uh, result in more peace and understanding for ourselves and for all of those around us. (laughs) 